0: Rehab Confidential is brought to you by Work At Health. Can't afford rehab, but need help staying sober? Well, Work at Health provides online therapy for addiction nationwide and telemedicine alcohol detox and Suboxone treatment in California, Michigan, Washington, New Jersey, and Alaska. Major health plans like Aetna are accepted in some states. Don't do it alone. Get recovery help on your phone. Download the Work at Health app for iOS or Android to get started today, or visit workathealth.com rehab to get more information or check your coverage. Girl. This is Ooh. Rehab oh, Confidential. Oh, sorry. Frank, Amy Dresser. Oh, my gosh.
1: We're peeling back the layers of the rehab industrial complex. So let's get into it. You want to get into it? Come on. Take the gloves really off. Let's through. get into it. Hey, welcome to Rehab Confidential. I'm Joe Schrank.
0: I'm Amy Dresner.
1: And we have had another uh, week here in America, more <laughs> coronavirus, which I don't know. I mean, look, I think that there's been tons and tons and tons written about this, and I've lit- written a bunch of things that we have to talk about. But what, what do you think about the coronavirus and how it's impacting our people?
0: Well... I predicted months ago that we were going to see an enormous amount of relapse and suicides and um, overdoses, and now that's what they're reporting because it's just, it's not good for our people, you know, the isolation, the financial insecurity, the, you know, the disconnection, Uh, being in your house, that's what we do when we're depressed and using, and that's like our normal state is to isolate and then we're told to isolate. I mean, I was very depressed for like two weeks and then just popped out of it. And, uh, but you know, I'm very much alone right now and it's,
1: yeah. You know, it's well I crazy. I kind of come and go in and out of depression. I mean, I think that I'm lucky, I'm you know, I'm healthy, I'm safe, my th- family's here, we're all here. Uh Andrew is driving me up a fucking wall with his <laughs> mess in the kitchen. <laughs> but on the grand scheme of things, I mean that's that's pretty minor. Yeah, I, I mean,
0: I, yeah, I have the Colonel Puff Puff who was crying so much I took him to the vet, and of course he's just being a diva and nothing's wrong with him.
1: Right. Well, that's good. I yeah mean,
0: no it's great i mean yeah. and my dad's healthy he had a small surgery and it was scary because he's 83 and going under general anesthesia and still going through chemo and i was like oh my god but he's fine But he did,
1: he did okay
0: yeah my dad's like made of steel yeah. for desert jews man
1: <laughs> you know no I, he could have wandered for 50 years <laughs> <laughs> uh, he could have gone a whole other decade but yeah.
0: yeah, I am. Uh, I'm concerned because I'm seeing. i I'm, friends of mine are getting the virus. They're they're uh, yeah. and they're young, and so they're you know they're recovering. But um, I'm paranoid as fuck. You know, I, I it's odd to me that I you know shot shit in my arm that I had no idea what was in it and now I wear gloves and a mask and I spray everything down and I'm like, you know, won't see anyone. I mean, I think when we get sober, I've talked about this before and I've written about it. It's like, you know, I didn't give a shit if I died when i was using it didn't even occur to me i mean maybe it was just because i was young and i was like i'm immortal who cares but like yeah. now well, that it's I'm, probably part of it yeah yeah and now being sober and older i'm i'm like the biggest hypochondriac ever every headache is a fucking brain tumor and you know what i mean like every you know muscle stitch is you know liver can't you know liver cancer it's gnarly <laughs> i'm like really
1: i mean maybe it's, it's just funny. being a jew is it just being jewy <laughs> Um, like a neurotic Jew? Maybe. Well, I'm, I don't, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not much for cultural stereotypes, although I will say your you're people so have. You're so full of shit. <laughs> you're,
0: you are so you're, full. You're like, I am Italian and I'm stark <laughs> and German and shrank, which is such well, a frightening name. And it's like, you're like, it oh, is, Italians don't shut up. And we this, and we're Catholic and a man of, uh, shut up. You wanted to be king of the Jews. Stop.
1: You're that t- is true. I did want to be king of the Jews. I think it's a nice, um, it's a nice thing to be exalted. Isn't with.
0: that what they thought yeah.
1: Jesus was? Yes, that's what they put oh, above. Okay. Um, on all the right, megal-
0: uh, megalomaniac. The, okay. <laughs> the,
1: this is the king of the Jews.
0: Ooh, okay. That's the, me-
1: all right, narcissist. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's remember our role and purpose. So here's the first thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's a big 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 issue throughout my career and something that i've been uh very interested and very involved in and that's binge drinking (laughs) and that is um i think it's a blight on the american culture i think it's toxic for a million different reasons it's a blight on american culture Yeah, and we can put up the data from the CDC, from the Center for Disease Control, but the truth of the matter is, and I think that one of the things that I say frequently and people say, no, is 1,800 college kids a year drink a lethal dose of alcohol. Right. Um, That's a lot of college kids, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and that's where I started binge drinking was in college. I think that's where we all do it
1: uh certainly flirted with it in high school and then it certainly ramped up in college i think it's a strange thing that is culturally accepted right people kind of look the other way they laugh about it. it's
0: part of the whole frat community isn't it with those like purple jesus and those like bongs and all that weird shit right
1: it is for sure it's not just the uh, fraternity culture on campus It, it extends far beyond that but yes That is one of the big systems in which binge drinking is prevalent. It's very damaging to young people. Most people who don't come back for their sophomore year, uh, it's associated with their drinking, right? right? That they party too much. They spun out that they didn't perform academically, that they, you know, whatever it is, they had a negative experience because of it. Everything rises with binge drinking, sexual assault, violence, accidents. And so why we don't do something more about this. And I've spoken about this a lot. And of course I've gotten myself into worlds of shit (laughs) about what I have to say, but how this continues to go on without it being addressed, I will never really understand. And I tell these kids like, look, when I, when my mother was pregnant and your mother, you know, we're from that era women smoked lucky (laughs) non-filters. Like My mother says, oh, well, we didn't know. I mean, the idea that pregnant women would smoke is unconscionable, right? right? I mean, it's just not something that you see in the culture. It's been eradicated. Somehow that went away. Binge drinking should do the same. I don't know how we can make that happen, but I do believe that we can make it happen because we got rid of Health practices or unhealthy practices are gone. I mean, we wear seatbelts now. We we do all kinds of things that we didn't do when you and I were little ankle biters in the seventies.
0: I mean, I think that some you know people that's like their time away from home and they're partying and you know a lot of people, not all those people become alcoholics. A lot of them just grow out of it. They get out of the world. Most of them,
1: yes, most of them grow out of it. With that said. It is still very dangerous. It has long-term tentacles, which can follow people into, you know, other stages of adulthood. So it's a very, very, very dangerous I agree. Thing. I
0: agree. Well, why don't you in your shorts go and talk at colleges? Well, because one this. of the things that mm-hmm. I say
1: is allow for the use of beer and cannabis. And then I get 900 emails saying, oh, you, told our, you told our kids to smoke pot. Right, 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 right. No. I told them their safest form of intoxication is cannabis. If they said, hey, what do you think we should do, Joe? I'm going to say, I think you should be on an intramural team. I think you should do a service project. I think you should study hard. I think you should have a lot of fun. You should meet friends. I'm not telling, you know, but here's the little crazy secret. Young people don't always listen. No, do they? No. So to me, what are the bumpers around this? What is the safety net underneath this? How can you reduce this? Improvement matters, right? right. Eradication is folly. It is, it is a fool's errand. Um, we cannot eradicate young people wanting to be impulsive and have fun and no. party. Nor do I think we should. I think they should have fun. <laughs> I mean, like I think of gonna, that like,
0: you know, what is it called when the Amish let their people go and party?
1: Rumspringer. Yeah. Springer.
0: yeah. And they usually like, yeah. Whatever.
1: Springer.
0: Yeah. What? And they go and they party and they da, da, da. And most of them come back.
1: Most of them do. To, uh,
0: uh, you know, to yeah. to the Amish society of no alcohol and no, you know, mm-hmm. extramarital sex and all that kind of stuff. I do want you to tell our listeners your funny stories.
1: Which funny story?
0: One was Cirque Lodge and the other was Sierra Tucson.
1: <clears throat> oh God. <laughs> I mean, this is called rehab confidential and it is.
0: Yeah, come true. on, spill it, bitch. It
1: is true that I have offended many uh rehab systems and operators, sometimes unknowingly. You know, I think that that sometimes I do have that issue of being vitriolic and lobbing grenades at people intentionally. Um, it's not something of which I'm proud, right? But it is something I'm good at, and so it's, hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sometimes it's hard not to do. All right, well, these all the particular times, okay, but these two particular times, <laughs> I. I wasn't intending to do okay. that. You accidentally. So I was at Circ Lodge. You know, they're always wanting to bring interventionists. So people come, you know, consider us as part of the possibility of where you're going to refer people clinically. So I'm all for that. I always think, look, clinical care first. That's, you know, I want people to do well. <laughs> um, but as a New Yorker, primarily, I've lived, you know, I lived in New Another York City stereotype. for 25 years.
0: Another stereotype that you said you don't go for. Yeah, go on.
1: Right. But yeah. as a New Yorker, I don't like nature. I, I, think I don't like nature either. I don't like, I don't like nature. I would walk to on fifth Avenue. I would see the trees in central park and think, fuck that. I'm not going in there. Right. So I just like, I like, I like food delivery. <laughs> I like, I like TV. I like knowing that at any moment you can have Chinese food at your door in, in four seconds, These are the things that I like. I don't like bugs. I don't really care for trees. I mean, I'm fine that they exist. But you love the ocean. No, I don't. I know. I'm kidding. (laughs) I hate the fucking ocean, and I hate sand. And I don't like to be hot. Anyway, so they bring me out to Utah. Blah, blah, blah. Meet this one. Meet that one. Meet the other one. Okay, these are all nice people. They're all great conditions. Then they do this thing. They bring me up. And they sit me in front of this window and they're like, and this, this is how we inspire some of our, you know, our P or whatever. And I'm just, I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking, well, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, <laughs> like it's just and what of, were you looking at? Uh, some, I don't know. A fucking Mountains? mountain. It was a mountain. It was okay. just this pile of rocks. It was not inspiring me to stay sober in any way. And so I really, really, really pissed on their parade uh, because for them and for a lot of people, if you look at the marketing, nature is recovery, right? right? Apparently when you're in recovery, you're supposed to love hiking, right. you're supposed to love yoga on the beach, <laughs> you're supposed to love, I mean, you're I don't to know. put pull your pull hands up in the air to the sky. In triumph. Yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> I, yes, nature me and nature which i think <laughs> Did you is just say something
0: assholish
1: well i kept saying well i i don't i don't get it well what look at what i don't get it oh, like God. oh well it's a, they're like well it's a pretty impressive view and i was like yeah have you ever seen the manhattan skyline that's impressive mm. so you know it was not probably i don't i don't know that i made friends there <laughs> it's so i think and the then idea
0: I know I is really... like that you're like connecting to something bigger and like the serenity and do 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 but you know i mean again like when you leave you're back in your shitty studio apartment
1: this was the thing that i was trying to communicate as um adult in my adolescent vitriolic yeah. way was look <laughs> i i'm in new york city the i need flat-footed recovery for it to be sustainable i mean it's nice they can come out here and they can look at your fucking trees or whatever but i don't know what that does for them right so it was sort of you know i've had that issue throughout my career the sort of disconnect between marketing spa rehab right and clinical care that is sustainable for people in their lives. And yeah, because there's so I think, m- I
0: mean, here, every fucking rehab is on the beach. They're all by in Malibu.
1: Well, they, Malibu or, or Riviera, they
0: man, or, or in Orange County by the beach or, you know what I mean? All of them.
1: No, I, know. I went to the a fucking, beach is I went supposed to, to
0: a, you know, a, a detox. It was in Tijuana on the beach. It
1: was in Tijuana.
0: Yeah. It was like an alternative one.
1: Where they Did they shot. detox you with, with tequila?
0: But um, what did they? God, what did they? I told you this about amino acids. They were going to fix my brain chemistry with amino acid IVs. Yeah,
1: amino acid IVs. Tell the Sierra Sierra Tucson story. Same thing at Sierra Tucson. They have (laughs) referent. Well, they have referent weekends, right? So they bring people from all over, which is kind of interesting in a way because you know you meet other social workers and whatever and. um from all over the place, which is kind of interesting. And then they parade you around. You do their ropes course, you meet their clinicians, you, you pet their horses, you do all this stuff. And then at the, so then the end, like the the goodbye ceremony after apparently we've all bonded or I don't know what the fuck was supposed to happen, but so they have these local guys, these local native American guys come and do this, I don't know what the fuck it was. It looked like a... A rain dance. Well, that's what it looked like. Remember when Bobby Brady got lost in the Grand Canyon? <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember that? Oh my, God. oh, my God. So then after they found him, the local natives did a... I don't know. They did a celebration. Like a celebration, right. Yeah, they found Bobby and Cindy in the Grand Canyon. So that's what the fuck it looked like, mm-hmm. which I already thought was like... This seems like a minstrel show to me. This seems exploitive in some way. So I'm already in this like not great headspace. And then they do this smudging eagle fucking thing and Eagle feather. Some eagle feathers, Mm -hmm. some sage shit. Mm -hmm, I don't know what the mm -hmm. fuck they were doing. But they and again I was like, but how does this help people stabilize? And I said, (laughs) So of course everyone's having a moment. I never do. I'm not having a fucking moment like Christmas, all that shit that people love. It just eludes me. And I, you know, and so I've learned like, okay, do no harm. Don't ruin this for other people, which is one of the reasons that I don't like to go to these things. But you did ruin it. What did you say? Oh no, I ruined it. Oh no, I ruined it for them all. They're all having some fucking Eagle's feather moment. And I said, I don't, I don't understand this at all. The rates of alcoholism on native reservations are like 80%. It's the highest rate of, of, fetal alcohol syndrome the world has ever seen the first person to try to address the drinking problems among the native population was thomas jefferson we've made no progress since so what is this and they I mean, were just like point, but <laughs> they were like what, what the fuck and they were there was like invited back woman, no no <laughs> The la- the next That's time a I great point there. though
0: I mean not only is that cultural appropriation but, but again it's like It's all this hippie dippy Shit I mean whatever connects you to your higher Power is great and there is Science behind Ritual like your brain doesn't think you do Something for no reason like your brain's like You yeah. can't be doing this for no reason There must be an effect you know she can't be That stupid so a lot of it Is you know what I mean it, 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 the, right, like, There I, is I, science I, I behind Ritual so I'm just saying that. But I understand, I understand that you are a you know, regarding the, you know.
1: But it's also, it, no. it's the marketing. There's certain like- Oh, it's gross. There's certain marketing and rehabs that becomes fashionable. It became very fashionable to say dual diagnosis. That was yes. fashionable. Yes, At the moment, it's trauma. Everything's yes. trauma. Yep. It's all, yep. Yep. we address trauma. We address uh, adverse childhood experiences. Those. That's all great. I'm not opposed to any of it. What I think is- that it becomes like torn jeans or sun-dried tomatoes, where it's just this fashion wave. There's right. not any substance behind it. For a minute, Native Americans were viewed as these spiritual holy people. None of those people have been to a reservation right. because <laughs> that's not what the fuck is going on on reservations right, right now. They are, they are addled by the opiate crisis. They are they are uh, severely alcoholic. There's there's so many problems on reservations, and I feel like we don't do enough to help those people. For sure, agreed. But also, now we're going to use them as your marketing tool. Right, it's gross. Now you're going to hire them to like uh, you know dance around like fucking Bobby Brady just got out of the goddamn uh, oh Grand God. Canyon. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, well, no. The next time I was at Sierra Tucson was uh, I. I took somebody there and she threw up on me in the car. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, we just need her. I mean, I didn't consult with the placement at all. They're like, we need her to go from point A to point B. So, so the plane ride, that was fun. And then the car from Phoenix to Sierra Tucson, that's when the vomiting ensued. Okay. So um, right. so any kids aspiring to be an interventionist, I'm sure that'll- Get ready
0: to be puked yeah. on.
1: Oh, get ready to be puked on get ready to be uh you know vilified have
0: you been punched in the face
1: i've been punched several times <laughs> um which is not always not the face because kind
0: of, you're six five do they where do they well punch no you? but it's always, they always kind of comical they reach?
1: because it's always like you want to hit me it's gonna hurt your hand more than it hit, hurts me but okay <laughs> If you, if that's what you want to do, I've had kids take a swing at me. I've had all kinds of, I had some woman throw shit at me. I mean, you know, that's, I always, I want the gnarly cases. I don't, I don't want, I don't, I don't know, like read a letter and cry and then go to rehab every once in a while. I get one of those, but for the most part, I get gnarly shit. I get naked crying vets with a gun, (laughs) which was kind of funny. He was like, this guy, I was like, well, let's 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 prioritize let's secure the firearm and then we'll go from there oh god oh god (laughs) all right so binge drinking and my um my foibles as a flawed individual oh my god so funny so great aside
0: um we have we're gonna talk about um addiction and recovery in the transgender community today
1: we yeah no i didn't think that that's an important topic i um i look forward to be educated about the transgender experience i don't really know very much about it to be blunt and honest Mm -hmm. um i have no i have no fear or reservation i even said like the next project i'll take is i would take a trans kid whose family rejected them um as long it was as long as it was transitioning to male. So that's just you know, I don't, so
0: anti, that's so misogynistic. Why? Because you don't want to go shopping? Because you want to go shopping? Because you want makeup? Because you want to deal with boobs no, and gauze? <laughs> because you want them to play fucking <laughs> softball? Really? Or rugby? That's why. Yeah. That's no,
1: why. no, no. It's just a strengths perspective. It's like, how could I be effective and how can I be helpful? I can be helpful with a, young person who is in the wrong body and they want to be male and they want to play sports yes i can do that i mean i don't know i was raised by my way.
0: father and um i mean granted i did not learn how to do makeup or how to get a proper fitting bra and i but i can play poker and basketball ride a bike mix a mean drink uh right um what else bowl
1: yeah, no. I it mean, I think very, that there's things. It makes things. me very
0: feminine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I can't cook, but I mean, I don't know. I think that you know, it 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 helped me to be, it, you know, a, a, he made me feel like I could do whatever I wanted to do. I never felt less because no. I was a woman. I've never it, thought it, of, it I was literally. It never occurred to me that I'm a woman as a writer. I was never like, well, I'm a female. I'm just a writer. I don't ever it's not even something, not that prejudice doesn't exist, but I mean, I'm just saying like, I just was always, I never felt less than ever, you know? Um, But in terms of, I have, um, I don't want to, you know, quite a few transgender friends. I do live in West Hollywood. Um, I go to meetings with um, the transgender community, go to a lot of gay meetings because I think that they're, funnier and better and more open and more honest and real. Well, they
1: certainly have better hors d'oeuvres. That oh, much that's I right, know. right.
0: And yeah. um, uh, I did a uh, tour with Ian Harvey who is a transgender comic. This was years ago and asked lots of questions. And yeah. So, um, yeah. But uh, okay. when prepping for our interview with our guest who is uh, 12 years in recovery
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh transitioned in 2009 so it's going to be interesting
1: uh well look i think a lot has changed since 2000 well
0: yeah and she's going to tell us all about it so yeah but okay. you know the percentage of like nine percent of like the hetero population abuses drug and alcohol compared to 35 percent
1: of the lgbtq plus isn't that amazing i mean yeah. i feel like i know there's a strong genetic component to substance well, trauma abuse. and
0: bullying and I get, you know, but
1: that's the thing like, is it help. environmental too i mean there's yeah of course be, it is there's definitely five
0: percent compared to nine percent i mean there's so much stigma still against the lgbtq plus you know uh community i mean transgender specifically really they're you know
1: Still okay you know what I revise I would take a trans there we go I just, kid there we go no no i I revise I would do it would take a trans foster kid whose parents or family had rejected them, that was transitioning to female, but Lori do would have to be in charge of like girl things
0: <laughs> I know you don't even like to talk about underwear with me
1: not really no
0: also. of trans teens have suicide attempts or suicidal ideation. 40 fucking percent. And 78% of transgender students um,
1: have experienced
0: attempted suicide or thoughts of suicide as a result of the bullying that they have experienced.
1: See, that's something I could be good at. Right? You could teach her. Well, I mean, I could show up and say any of you little shitbags bully this person. You're all fucked. Right. I mean, I could definitely do that, Um, you know, and I feel really badly for people who are like trapped in communities where they wouldn't be able to find a tribe. I mean, I think if you're a trans young person in Los Angeles or New York or somewhere, you know, you have a better chance of finding your people than you would if you are if you are a trans person in, say, Omaha. Of course. All right. Maybe it's, you know, fuck you, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, we we All never right. get to any of our topics. So quickly, quickly, Myrie, Miley Cyrus says she's six months sober. Do we care?
0: Well, we care because I think it's good for sobriety and recovery to come out of the closet. Okay. And I think that okay. when people who are celebrities say that they're sober... You know, people go, "Oh, it must be cool to be sober." And if she can, you know, be a rock star and a movie star and do what she does and be sober, then maybe I can.
1: And you know that yeah. kind of stuff. So I think. Well, that look, I important. think I think if I knew her as a person, and I don't, I, would,
0: I don't, yeah. I don't either. And I mean, six well, months right. is I mean, very early. I w- I I would never, yeah. you know.
1: Six months is, is yeah, early, like, I think, I, but I don't mean to minimize that time at all. No, I think it's the, the, at first that first year the is horrible.
0: That first year for me was really, really hard.
1: I um, love when people say that because I'm always like, really? Because year 22 has been no fucking day at the beach either. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you
0: know.
1: Our guest is here. So. Oh, she is. Okay, okay, hang on one second. Let me just finish. I agree with you. I think that it's important for, for people who have celebrity or power to disclose, even if they don't do this perfectly. I remember HIV as a kid, and nobody was talking about it, and it was like, oh, those are deviant, horrible people. And then as soon as Liz Taylor took it on, it became like this big cause. Exactly. So if Miley Cyrus can help us out with mental health, in general, not just by talking about her recovery or her mental health issues or her substance abuse issues, but the importance of that from a macro exactly, level. Exactly. Come on, Miley. Come on. You yeah, might be it's our like Liz what Lady Taylor. Gaga
0: does, you know. All Lady Gaga
1: is fucking brilliant. I mean, she's yeah. a social worker's dream. Yeah, with what she's she rad, man. She's rad. Yeah, she so, really is. Okay. Um,
0: our guest is um, it's a friend of mine, um, and her name is Emmy Olea. She is a trans woman in long-term recovery. Emmy, you there?
2: Hi, I'm hi. here.
1: Hi, hi, well, Emmy. Um, hi, Joe. Hi, Amy. Thank you so for wait, coming. I can uh, when when um when Amy first said um her friend Emmy, I was hoping she meant like the large size supermodel. No offense to you. <laughs> <laughs> so oh well, no, I like you know. I mean, you know, I'm not a small dude. I like. Oh. <laughs> Um, Emmy,
0: tell us a little bit about you and your story and your experience. Yeah.
2: So actually I got sober in 2007 and yeah, after doing so much work in the rooms, right? Like we start like peeling these layers and we start finding all like truths about ourselves, especially when you come like towards like the fourth step, right? The scary one. Mm -hmm. So I actually discovered something that I had repressed for such a long time. You know, I was meant to live life as a woman and it was such a scary thing to do. I mean, the year was 2009. Things are so much different than they, were, than they are now in 2020, right? Right. We didn't have the pioneers that we have now. And it was just such a scary thing. I'm, I come from a Mexican culture. The machismo mm, is just right. like insane. And it was just something that I really was so scared because you have all these judgments, especially back then. Yeah. And so my biggest fears was like, were like, am I going to be pretty? Am I going to be passable? Am I going to be targeted? Am I going to get killed? Am I going to get murdered? Am I going to get <sighs> shit thrown at me? All these scary thoughts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, had to, I got sober and I wasn't going to live a sober life not being who I was. What's the point of that?
1: So for you, Emmy, it was really about living honestly and in authenticity as much as, you know, stabilizing whatever your substance use issue was. Is that? absolutely? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's true for a lot of people. So like, what was the climate back then? I mean, when you say, am I going to be killed? Is that something that plagues trans people? Do they, I mean. Still. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They really, I mean, and, and that happens, like there are people who, I, and I don't, you know, I guess people care about it to the level where they would actually want to harm somebody. You know,
2: there's the thing, especially in South America, this is not still to this day not accepted and trans women are targeted. They are yeah. killed. By police, they are killed Ugh, by gang members. By police, Ugh. why yeah. the police? Why the police? They just don't believe in LGBT. Wow.
1: Yeah, so, you know, they, I mean, this is really good for us this to hear because I think that when when one lives in a and 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 I do, I live in a liberal bu- bubble of San Francisco, Los Angeles, you know, New York, uh, but. It's it's important to understand that that the world is not those three places.
0: Yeah. So in two thousand nine, there were no there wasn't Laverne Cox on Netflix. There wasn't Pose. There wasn't Transparent. There wasn't was there. You know what I mean? Like what what? Who were your role models?
2: Did you have one? Did you have to create one? I had to create my role models. Honestly, interesting. I knew one trans woman in recovery. Uh huh. And there was this one woman, I reached out to her. I just asked her, I picked her brain. I wanted to know, give me information. What yeah. do I need to do? Because I had no starting point, no jumping off point. So at the same time, I was not somebody who everybody loved being around. Like I got sober and gay. That's what happened. So I had my foundation, right? I had like my foundation, my friends, the people I hung out with. And they were all gay men, right? And I would hear them talk amongst themselves about trans people, specifically, you know, this one woman. And at one point, you know, this woman's a, she's an attractive woman, and I asked, you know, is so and so. And then one of the guys looked over and rolled his eyes and said, "A real woman? Yeah, no." So how do you think that made me feel? So if they how were, did
1: that make you feel?
2: Oh, it was horrible. It's like, well, they they are never gonna, going to accept me. They're going to talk shit about me, and they're. Did they accept- even know that you were thinking of
0: transitioning at that point?
2: They did not. Mm-hmm. Okay. They did not. So this fear comes, right? And so what, what do I do? I leave the rooms because I'm starting my hormone replacement therapy. I'm starting to legally change my name. I'm starting all the process. And I feel so alone because my friends, who I felt were my friends, are judging the trans community. And you went to NA, right? I did, yes. Where no I, one knew you. Nobody knew me. Yeah. And, you know, we all go through this like awkward phase where we're still like not passable or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like we're growing out our hair. We're getting like the right treatments right. when we have the resources, which not all trans women have the resources to do right. this. So, you know, here's the thing. I've been very privileged and very fortunate. I had the means to do it. I did it. And I didn't come back to the rooms of AA until a while after I had already started my transition, you know, San Diego, I'm from San Diego and that's where I started. That's where I got sober. That's where I started my transition. It's a small community, especially in gay and the word got around that I was transitioning. So one of my fellows reached out to me. He said, you know what, honey, we love you. This is what the third tradition tells us that, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. We don't care what you are, but they didn't, I didn't feel that way at the time when I was tr- starting my transition. So they kind of, you know, reeled me back into AA and I've been here since, but in the beginning it was, it was very difficult and very scary.
0: Yeah. Sounds rude. So you had to, so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that they reached out to you and that you came back. And I know that mostly now you go to just mixed meetings and women's meetings, correct? Now that you're correct, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you have to come out to your parents as gay and then as a drug addict and alcoholic and then as trans?
2: Oh, absolutely. I had to How come did out that three go? times. Oh, you know, fun. So How did I that I come go? out again. So initially when I came out as gay, I was in my teens and everyone was like, yeah, no shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is I was such a feminine boy. Right. Growing up, even as a toddler, even like, yeah i was just so feminine it was so obvious that was no surprise they were just like oh well fuck it right,
1: yeah, right. and we this was like, in San. you grew up in san diego yes okay okay
2: so even like the machismo in the family they were just like okay we just you know don't ask them to tell kind of thing, mm. right and then you know like the dark cloud starts it's like i'm starting to go to jail and i'm starting to go to psych boards i'm starting to all this like shit. why well combination of my alcoholism and i'm pretty sure that i had this like discomfort of not feeling who i was when i looked in the mirror right, right. i would look right. at the reflection and what i saw staring back at me was not comfortable yeah which is why i've always been very like quiet voiced shy timid mm-hmm. because i never wanted to stand out i didn't want you to pick on me or target me or bully me. right so when i'm starting to <laughs> want to die i get sober and it's like, hey, by the way, I'm an alcoholic. And they were like, oh, interesting because, you know, we have so many alcoholics in the family. Recovery isn't something that people think about in my family. Hmm. So Is that I a cultural felt, thing? It must be a cultural thing because I felt very separate. Once I got sober and I felt like, okay, this is like my path, like I'm, I'm finding my tribe, my people, like they say, I just felt very separate from my family. And then, you know, I get sober, I get a year and a half, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, I have one more surprise for you. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) How'd they take that? You know, they took it very well. It was very fortunate that they were so supportive. It's awesome. They were just like, well, I guess you're alive after all the shit you've been through. Right. And everyone was so supportive and... They asked a lot of awkward questions, uncomfortable oh, no. questions. Oh God. What about like yes. surgeries and stuff like that? All that stuff that's mm-hmm. so inappropriate to ask.
1: <laughs> yes. Wait, so I wanna wait, I wanna know. <laughs> Here comes like, an what? inappropriate question. Oh, <laughs> it's not an inappropriate No, I I look I I I, as we've established earlier in this podcast, I have a tendency to say the wrong thing. <laughs> And so I don't, you know, I, I oftentimes don't intend to say the wrong thing, but I don't know the rules when you talk to a trans person. Like what is the wrong thing and what's the right thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, educate us and our listeners. Yeah, so here's the thing. What I've learned is, and this is also like for me, because when I transitioned, remember, I didn't have anyone. I had to like learn this, right? So I think the worst question you can ask a trans person is, did you have the surgery? Well, there isn't a surgery, right? There's like gender affirming surgeries and that's different for everyone. Every trans person has their own path. Right. And their own journey. So what might be for me might not be for the person next to me. Right. So okay. I, I think that's something to just keep in mind.
1: So the physical, so the plumbing is not necessarily associated with the identity. Correct. Okay. So don't ask about the plumbing. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God.
2: You know, I just don't think it's something that a trans community receives very
1: well. Right. Okay. It's invasive. <sighs> Look, yeah. I mean, I, 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 and, and I, sometimes I, I, it's just, I just, I need to know because, you know, I, for, I'm always, I'm often asked to talk about harm reduction. One of the things that I think about harm reduction is that cannabis is useful i was calling it marijuana and they were really insulted and offended they're like that has a racial history that's like oh okay i'll call it cannabis if you want you know but i don't you know so it's just one of those things where i wouldn't be hesitant to speak to a trans person but maybe because because of that i wouldn't want to say the wrong thing Mm
0: -hmm. Well, Emmy Honestly, is awesome, and, and I mean, you know, and I, like I said, when I, tr- when I toured with Ian, I asked a lot of questions, because we were in the car for fucking 14 hours at a time, going from city to city, and um, he was terrific explaining to me everything, and so I got really clear on the fact that not, you know, that everyone's, you know, changes, that, that, that the surgeries that cer- certain people have to feel comfortable in their body are not what other people have. You know, and, right. Uh, so there's the
1: diversity of experience yeah. about what people need to yeah. have physically to feel okay with themselves. Exactly. There's not. There's not one size fits no. all for no. all. Okay. All right. No. Well, that makes sense.
2: And implying know. that you need to have a surgery. I mean, it implies that, in your mind, you think that certain plumbing like fits the gender, right?
1: Right. The gender is plumbing, and it's, exactly. it's not. It's not. Absolutely
2: not. Right. Right. It's how you feel inside.
0: Correct. It's your, it's right. Um, What happens? You got sober. And I know you were telling me about, um, so you've been really lucky because you're, you're passable, as you said, you know, and um, so you've never been fired from a job. You've been able to hold jobs. And that you were talking to me about a lot of um, the trans gender community having to go into sex work.
2: Yes. And, you know, I did, you know, once I moved to LA and I started working, I was in a different position than I was in 2009, right? I looked different. I presented as women. And I think I've had it easy, honestly. And mm-hmm. I'm very, very grateful for that. However, not every trans person has the same experience. Right. And so we get a lot of discrimination, a lot of judgment where people can't get a job. They can't They're being interviewed and they're being judged. So they have to make money somehow. And some people resort to sex work, which is what happens. That's just the reality of it.
0: Because they're just not considered hireable.
2: These people are supposed to be right.
1: Correct. Did you find that more true in a city like San Diego than you did in Los Angeles?
2: Well, at the time, you know, once I started my transition and I met these women you know, at these clinics that we would go and get our hormones. Yes. Most of the women that I was surrounded by were sex workers. Wow. And you know, I was very, I was working for like a big company in San Diego when I started my transition. So they couldn't fire me because I was already working there. Right. Right. But I find,
1: I find San Diego to be incredibly conservative and you know, if for, for, uh, for transitioning people, I think it would be harder to find a job in a conservative community than it would be to find a job in Los Angeles. I mean, are there, I guess there are probably pockets of things of people who would care um, in L.A., but I think that the chances of just sort of mainstreaming in the culture would be greater in L.A. than it would be in San Diego. Did you find that or am I way off base?
2: You know, I don't know because my experience was a pleasant one. Okay. And I don't know, honestly, what the other women have experienced.
1: Right. What do you do? I mean, what's your job?
2: So I have worked in influencer marketing for the last five years. That's what I've been working on. Um, I was very fortunate, you know, the way after high school, I went, I mean, sorry, after college, I moved to LA. I started an internship at a fashion PR company and the job just kind of landed on my lap based on my work ethic.
1: So you got you you well, but I mean, it sounds like you also worked very hard to have the luck that you did,
2: I did, of course,
1: yeah, I always thought I should be um a fashion influencer, like I could <laughs> oh, influence <God. laughs> the the Costco tube sock, and why <laughs> why why why, or why men in their fifties
0: of... should wear only shorts, no matter where they're going,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. These, are the, okay. <laughs> these are the ways that uh-huh. I could influence uh-huh. the fashion world. Good, good. Yeah.
0: Good. yeah. Um, Emmy, tell us a little bit about your, you told me about your experience. So you're in Los Angeles, you're in AA, and you're feeling like a lot of your friends don't know that you're, transgen- well, that you're a transgender woman and you felt weird about it, right? And you talked to your sponsor about it. Tell us that story.
2: Yes. So when I started working with a sponsor, I was probably about seven years sober. And you know I heard her speak and I asked her to be my sponsor because I identified with the shame she talked about. And that's the same shame that I carried about being a trans woman. So we talked about it and she gave me an assignment. She said, look, you're going to tell three of your friends. I don't care. She was just a lesbian, right? She
0: wasn't, she wasn't trans.
2: She was just a lesbian. Yes. She is just a lesbian. (laughs) So she said, pick three people. I don't care who it is and tell them and this was so difficult because I had already built these friendships and I didn't think that it was necessary to say hi my name's Emmy and by the way I'm trans like people do that no right so I just had these friendships and for a second I felt like oh my god these friendships are based on fraud I'm a fraud so I chose one person man or woman did it matter They they were all women they were all women okay yes and two of the girlfriends that I sat down with said, oh my God, Emmy, I had no idea, but it doesn't matter. And so this made it easier to tell one more person and one more person. And then I started being asked to speak at meetings. I never shared that I was trans at podiums up until that time. Oh, wow. It was very scary, especially in mainstream AA, where you have like, you don't know what you're getting. Of course. Or who's listening. Right. Of course. And I'm always, you know, scared of what you're going to think of me and the judgment. So I'm just going to keep that part out of my story. But then, you know, I had a partner at the time and he said, I want you to start talking about it if it's going to make you free Mm. because you're, I like you and you're happy and this Mm. is going to make you happy. And he encouraged me. And I said, are you sure you're okay with this? I was just, you know, trying to protect them. He said, absolutely. We're, we're sober to be free. And I remember, you know, it was very difficult at first and I kind of just started talking about it at the podium and then people would come up to me afterwards and thank me for talking about it and asking if I could give them my number so that they can give to their friend who has a daughter who's transitioning or right. a son who's whatever. And I started picking up transgender response which is just a miracle, you know, right. but if I was, if I wasn't truthful and talking about like, my experience, I wouldn't be able to be so much help to these people. Of course. You know, I didn't hear my story for the first 10 years of my sobriety. I didn't hear it anywhere in the rooms. I didn't know. People weren't talking about this. So can you imagine if I waited to, for someone to tell my story? I, I wouldn't have stayed sober. Right. I had hope that this program could work for me like it was working for others. So I held on. But I didn't hear my story until I was 10 years sober. And then just... Last week, I, was, I spoke at a meeting in, in the South Bay, and I talked about it, and I share it so openly. And then after the meeting, this guy comes up to me. He said, can you sponsor me? Oh, wow. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I just gave him my number, and I said, let's talk tomorrow. And when I got into my car to leave, I got a text message from him, and he said, your story is so inspiring. I've never heard a trans person speak at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, <gasps> and I'm actually transgender, female to male. Oh, wow. And that just, like, blew my mind. Wow. I was like, what the fuck? So I started, trans- I started sponsoring this trans guy, which is just awesome. That's so awesome. It's amazing.
1: Do you, do you think that this is improving, this situation? I mean, just in terms of the, um, you know, the legal protections, uh, which I know the Supreme Court just sort of ruled on that. Is is it hel- is it getting better for the trans community in general? I guess is what I'm asking.
2: I don't think it is. I
1: mean, you don't. There's still okay. a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. And what is the what is the work to be done? Like what is the, like as to say I say like me, white cis male large. <laughs> I look like a fucking cop, <laughs> um, or a PE teacher, <laughs> or some shit. Um, what what can what can we do? How do we do that? Do we, how, do we, how do we make this a better situation for the larger swath of the population?
2: So I know we talked about this the other day, Amy. We just talked about, you know, we don't have that issue that much here in Los Angeles, but in other parts of the country, we do. And, you know, we live in a place where it, it's, it's more progressive. However, that's not the same for other states, other parts of the country. And that's just so alarming. People are, if they're being refused shelter, or they're they can sleep there, but they can't shower.
0: I mean, it, is, that ridiculous. Ridiculous. is that even?
2: Is that even? What do you mean? They can sleep there, they can't shower. There are Why can't they shower? shelters that allow you to be there, but you can't shower. And like, you have to be you have to shower in the bathroom or in the shower uh-huh. that you were. That corresponds with what you were
1: assigned at birth. How you were born. Exactly. Oh, okay. Ugh. So that. Well, that seems is that seems terrifying. I would imagine, right?
2: Yes, because if a trans woman who is being forced to be housed with men, cisgendered mm-hmm. men,
0: can you imagine? No. It,
2: it,
0: it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I just can't imagine the violence and the sexual assault and all
1: of it. Well, and the harassing and the, just the bullying I mean, just the whole thing. And it's like, you know, I mean, I think that the motivation to seek services and help would be incredibly low if you knew what you were signing up for. Right.
2: And we're lucky. I think in LA, we're lucky. We have a lot of resources for healthcare yeah. for people to get their hormones. Right. Um, but not other places have these
1: resources. Yeah. I wouldn't think that other places do have those resources. So tell me about the pronoun thing. Like, how do you, how do you do that for people? Like what's the right thing?
2: I think it's okay to ask if you know someone okay. transgender, I think it's okay to ask what pronouns do you prefer?
1: Okay. Okay. So that's not, that's not offensive or insulting no. or. Okay. Okay. All right. So steer clear of <laughs> surgical questions
2: i
0: mean because some people prefer they correct versus he or she right yeah okay right okay and that's that's being more what gender fluid really not identifying as either male or female or or identifying as
2: both everyone's different some people have their you know they prefer this or they prefer that so i don't know sometimes and i just ask what are your preferred pronouns
0: what do you have to say to, the, to anyone that's listening, that's uh, thinking about transitioning, that's, you know, using or feeling suicidal
2: or what do you have to say to them? I think it's important to speak out on it, reach out to somebody, talk to somebody if you're feeling lonely, suicidal, if you feel like you can't take it. I think for the longest time, I was just so quiet and internalizing everything to the point of like, I want to kill myself, especially back then when we didn't have the resources that we have now, visibility that we have, talk to somebody, it gets better. It really does. Okay, you have more boyfriends than me, shit.
0: she's got a better body than me she's slamming man she's like and she's much, i don't know about all that yeah and you're like so diplomatic and well-spoken and like like feminine. i'm like i feel like oh my god i remember when we did the big convention together and you were in this beautiful dress and you just looked so gorgeous and i was like wearing oh. jeans and i was like oh god i was like i need emmy to make me over
1: <laughs> what convention what did you guys speak at are we allowed to
2: say? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're
1: not allowed to say. Oh, I didn't oh. know. I, I so
2: was, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You tell. So we had uh, a conference for young people in AA. You know, I've okay. been in service for the young people in A for the last five to six years. And we brought this conference over. The, that's the Western Conference that covers all the Western huge. states,
1: Canada, Mexico.
2: We had 1,500 right. people in the audience. Amy
1: is one of our speakers. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. I was terrified.
0: Um, it was, you know, she. Why? Because it was
1: so many people. Well,
0: yeah, she recorded me at some like meeting in the valley, and was like, "Hey, I want to submit you for a speaking gig." And I was like, oh, "Like a convention?" And I was like, "Whatever." Like, I'm not gonna get it. I'm way too, you know, in your face, and I swear too much, and whatever. And I was like, "Knock your socks off, girl!" You know. And she recorded it, and I fucking beat out at like hundreds of people. And she's called me. And she goes, y- "They picked you," and I'm like, "What?" She's like, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. And I ended up speaking with someone who's really famous and I was really
1: scared. Well, I would think that you would be really appealing to young people. I mean, I think that that's because otherwise I think it's, it can be very, very easily the transference is just another adult yelling at them, you know? So it's a hard thing to talk to really young audiences. Um, I I think my
0: humor was helpful. I think the fact that I'm immature is helpful.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean,
2: (laughs) you know, that's the thing. You keep it real.
0: And that's really what they want. That's really what people, that's really what I think everyone really wants. Maybe not everyone. Yeah, well, especially young. Yeah, young people really don't.
1: I'm not, you know, I don't know who organized this conference, but great that they're exposing a new generation to more diversity, especially in AA. I mean, I always thought, that AA um, is could be, and and in many ways it is the most egalitarian system America has. When I would go to meetings at Perry Street, it was the entire bouquet of humanity. It was billionaire hedge fund people. It was trans folks, gay, straight, whatever. It was just if it was under the sun, it was in that room at, at in Perry Street. And I always thought that maybe recovery is the great unifier. Uh, for healing some of the wounds that and some of the sins that we've committed in the formation of America, certainly with different races, but also different genders and also different identities of whatever. I mean, you know, uh, whether you're gay or whatever, whatever it is. And so I think that there's, it has to be for more than just white men. That can't be. And one of my hopes is that this is the death rattle of white male dominance in America. Um, and one of the reasons I hope for that is because I've always wanted to be a housewife. <laughs> I always thought. <laughs> me too. <laughs> like, what do I really like to do? I like to cook. I dinner. need I,
0: housewives. Why don't I you like, both marry me? I need <laughs> housewives. I can't cook. I'm a terrible yeah. cleaner. With the two of you together, we could. Well, I mean, I love a to, small I, family. <laughs> and
1: it totally. would be amazing. I love to cook. She could do lady. my
0: makeup and, like, we could go shopping and you could cook. And, All like,
1: right, well, sell your TV show and make some and money. Then yeah, and, you, know, you guys we'll can move into my
0: mansion, and I could have two wives—a okay. male wife and a female wife. Oh my god, the The okay, look, and we'll do. Family. We'll get a
1: we'll get a trans kid who wants to play rugby or baseball, and I'll coach the team. <laughs> That'll be my contribution to this <laughs> to this system. So, look, I think I I'm I'm uh, I'm good for you, Emmy. Look, you're a pioneer. I think it's important. It, for all people, the first time I heard somebody qualify in AA, and I thought, "Well, that guy seems like me." It, it, it was it was shifting, right? right? Life,
0: life changing shit, right? L- life yeah.
1: changing. It was life changing. The first time I walked into an AA meeting on the Upper East Side uh, in New York, and I thought, "Well, these guys look like they could have been at a party at USC." that was really helpful for me it didn't you know and so i think that we all need our tribe we all need our people that we can with whom we can identify and so i think when you tell your story you know i said this to the last to ryan o'callaghan who's a gay man who was in the nfl there's a kid in ohio who doesn't know what the fuck to do and and listening to you is is helping them tremendously
0: yeah, you give them hope, you
1: know, give people hope. That's you what give I mean. people hope and possibility, yeah. and, and possibility.
0: So thank you so much for coming on and being so
2: honest and sharing so openly, Emmy. I really, really appreciate it. Anything to help the community out. I'm on social media. You can find me under Emmy Olea. Feel free to reach out. I'm always here to help. Wonderful. Thank you for everything.